Welcome to the Washdown Podcast, episode number 41. And today we are talking with Dr. Tyler Haas. He is the assistant medical director of a large metropolitan fire department. And also he was a medic in the Navy attached to a Marine Corps unit. Um, We have a great conversation with Dr. Haas today about all kinds of mental health subjects and just, you know, society in general. So again, I hope you guys enjoy this episode as much as we did making it. So sit back and enjoy episode number 41 of the Washdown Podcast. Yahoo. It's private pile. It's fire pile or pile fire or something like that. Yeah. Oh man, that made my day. Nelson, I need you on here. Yeah. (laughs) We got to, we got to chit chat about this. (laughs) I keep wanting him to do, he, we got him to do the truffle shuffle one time in the academy and then <laughs> he, re, yeah, he, he says it's retired now. Can't imagine why he needs help now. <laughs> <laughs> With friends like us. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome to the Washdown podcast. You know, you know, I still do video intros, right? What? Like after all this is done, I'll sit down and I'll do an intro and tell who the guest is and all that stuff. Yeah, but I don't want you to talk first. I'm gonna talk first. Well, that's not because it's gonna be afterwards that's not and fair. it's gonna be done in editing. Post, that's not fair. Post editing. We need to fire our editing department during, during reshoots. <laughs> our editing department sucks. <laughs> yes, yes, they do. <laughs> I wish they would get fired and we could hire somebody else to do it. It would be awesome. But they don't cost Actually, no, you can, yeah. you can go <laughs> with, work for free. You can go yeah. with Doug's method and just promote yourself. <laughs> totally going to do that. <laughs> oh, I hope Doug just listens to the first like two minutes of this episode. That's all I need him to do. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, well, you know what? I'm going to let you kind of run this one. Why? That is Why? the dumbest damn choice you've ever made. Yeah. I actually probably should be sitting back there, but... Nah, it's all right. Yeah. Your face is too beautiful to hide behind a screen. That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. It's the only thing I'm nice thing I'm going to say, so take it. And it's a bald-faced lie. (laughs) That's true. But you can't see my face to know that I'm lying. (laughs) We have got one of my favorite people that I've known uh, for a while now, Dr. Tyler Haas. How are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Please, please tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about yourself today. Okay. Um, I am the Associate Medical Director of a large uh, fire uh, medic uh, department. I am also an emergency medicine physician uh, in a county hospital. Um, I am a former corpsman. I did not do jack squat in the military other than get a title and learn a love of taking care of stupid people. Um, and it kind of springboarded me into what I do now, which is what I love is taking care of people. So, um, is that enough? That's fantastic. Okay. Yeah. We can, that's, we can work with that. Yeah, we, we, we can work with that. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about your history. What made you want to go into the military? What, like the Navy, what made you want to be a corpsman? Um, so, uh, I'll forgive me if I get in too deep, but, uh, uh, basically, I went to college. Uh, I uh, originally was going to, because I'm so cool, was going to make computer games. So I was doing computer programming. 
and then I realized I hated it. Um, That's and, quite a switch from computer programming to medicine. Correct. It's a, it's, <laughs> this is why it's, it's a windy path. Um, so I basically said, you know, I need to figure some stuff out. Uh, and I've always been a philosophical kind of guy. And I was like, I need something where I have enough time to really think about stuff. And I said, what if that was my degree? So I have an undergrad in philosophy. Um, and then I went and did, I wanted to do what uh, I thought what I cared about was environmental work and geography as a way to do that. And so I got a master's in geography, but halfway through, I said, you know what? What I care about environmental stuff is human health impacts. That's what really uh, I care about. And I realized I was avoiding a, a career in medicine and the military because they were fucking scary. I was like, that's a lot of work, and that's scary as hell. Um, and I said, you know what? I just got to do it. I, I will regret it for the rest of my life unless I do that. And so uh, one of the ways you can get in it. So if I was active duty, which is another thing to differentiate, I was in the reserves. is because active duty, if I get accepted to med school, they say, well, that's great. Too bad. If I'm in the reserves, they switch me over, and I get to go to med school. So I was in the reserves. Uh, I went to uh, uh, core school, field medicine, and I did uh, some stuff with uh, uh, an anti-tank Marine Corps uh, company. I don't know if you guys, Davey provides medical support for. Yeah. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes I have to explain that. Some people are like, what the hell? What are you, why are we doing anything with Marines? Yeah, but, no, because... Because yeah. they need to ba- Navy to babysit I, them. Yeah, I, correct. I have <laughs> several Marines who are friends, and the, that's the running joke: is they're not smart enough to be their own medics. Correct. So, <laughs> that is also true. Yeah. Um, and I mean, uh, they kept on telling us, you know, first we were every 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 time we'd get together, it'd be like, "You're going to Iraq. You're going to Iraq," and then switch to, "You're going to Afghanistan. You're going to Afghanistan." And then I got into med school, and I got out processed, and a week later, everyone went to Afghanistan. And I was like, "Oh." And I still have mixed feelings about that because they were like, hey, you come with us, Doc? I was like, shit, no, I'm now no longer part of your unit even. I'm in med school. But at the same time, I was like, oh, thank God. I don't want to. I've had a lot of friends go over and come back fucked up. And I was like, I don't know if I can be fucked up and do med school. It's already going to be hard enough. So and they've been working through a lot of stuff. So, but yeah. What was kind of. I mean, what did that do to you when you didn't get to deploy with them? Because, I mean, those are the people you train with. Those are, those are your friends. That's your family. Yeah. Um, I was depressed for a while. I felt like I had let them down. I was, uh, I mean, it had been my plan all along to go to med school. Because I was basically, if I didn't get into med school, I was going to say, you know, if it's year five, I have an application. I was either going to try and become a firefighter medic or try to switch to active duty. And be like, okay, can I, I'm doing what I want to do anyway. It's just as a corpsman, I wanted more medical knowledge. I, I thought corpsmen are like, I mean, I'm obviously biased, but I was like, corpsmen are God's gift to the military. <laughs> and I was like, I want to be the leader of corpsmen. I want to take care of the corpsmen. I think that's the coolest thing is to be able to take care of those people. Is because, I mean, I served with some pretty freaking heroic people where I was just like, they, they were just badasses. And I was like... I wish I could be you. I'm not. And then I kind of, I thought about when I was in, as a corpsman, I was like, you know, I need, I need more. I was, I kind of thought either I can go more military and try special operations or I can do more medicine. And then I realized I am not 
physically fit enough or brave enough to do special operations. I'm a lot smarter than I am brave, so I did the medical thing. But yeah, it's, I mean, I'm, st- it's still, it's hard for me because they, they came back closer. They still check in on me because they're really kind and be like, hey, what's up, doc? How you doing? But I mean, I never experienced it like they did. Um, I wish I'd wanted to go back uh, because I'm one of the few people that I want to go over uh, Greenside Navy and and deploy. But I, the military won't take me back right now because I'm on Adderall. So I am very much ADHD, uh, very badly. <laughs> I've tried multiple shifts without it. It does not go well. <laughs> <laughs> and they basically said, you have to be a year off in order to be able to go back and join the military. Uh, and I can't function at my hospital for a year because there's, I'm a black cloud. There's way too much going on on a shift for me to keep track of. I st- I just, I dropped too many balls. There's way too much where someone says, Hey, that do- that person that had this, that the lab's all bad and came back. I'm like, what person? What? <laughs> it's like, I just, I'm way more, I'm not, you know, there's usually d- two different types. I'm way more inattentive type than I am hyperactive. I do fidget a lot. You'll even notice I'm tapping this a lot. I just mm-hmm. do that. But I'm way more inattentive and it 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 is not good. Have so, you guys seen the new Suicide Squad yet? Yeah. I haven't. I've been asked that <laughs> multiple times. Who's Milton? That's <laughs> what I think about when he says that like <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you watch it? Get back to shoot me a text and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Roger that. We'll do. Roger that. So um did you ever have in mind what specific type of medicine you wanted to do? Was it always gonna be emergency medicine? Did you think about no. being an intensivist or what was what was it? Uh, at first it was a trauma surgeon. I thought that's what I wanted to do. That or psychiatry. Weirdly, I am built for psychiatry. It comes very natural naturally to me. Um uh, when I was in med school, the only rotation, I mean, I destroyed it. I was out. I was telling attendings, Hey, you're doing this wrong. You should do this. And it's like, it just came naturally to me. Like I like to listen to people and figure them out. I find that interesting, but I didn't love it. It was, it's like my, I'm built. I, I thought I want to be a trauma surgeon. Then I talked, one of my interviewees was actually a Navy emergency physician. He's like, you want to do emergency medicine? That's what you want to do. You should go into this. Actually pissed me off for a while. I was like, that guy was full of shit. What a dick. And then uh, I talked to trauma surgeons. And the one, first one I talked to was... I saw trauma surgeons, and I actively had the first trauma surgeon I meet say, don't do it. It sucks. And so I started really looking elsewhere. And I realized like the procedure stuff I wanted to do was that like the life-saving stabilization stuff was emergency medicine. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's when someone says, is there a doctor? That's who you want as an emergency physician is, uh, uh, surgeons, trauma surgeons, amazing. What they do, I cannot do, but again, they need an operating room to do it. So I like, I like dirty field medicine. So, and for a while, it was a big thing. Uh, I had to decide between psychiatry and this, but there's a lot of different factors that go into that. But part of it is the group of people. I like the morbid humor. Psychiatrists don't really, no one else gets the morbid humor, but I would say psychiatrists especially. They're kind of, uh, 
they kind of like when I looked at what they did, it's like they dress nice, get together with their families and drink wine and have dinner parties. <laughs> that, Fuck that. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, screw that noise. I want to like go to a pub, hang out with my people. I don't need to like a loud place. I just want to drink beer and hang out and be like, hey, what's up? And it's like, that's emergency medicine. It's like, ah, oh, I love this. This is, I love this. So it's what I love. So that's what I ended up going into emergency medicine. And then EMS, uh, you, you go to the residency and then you go to a fellowship after that to specialize. And I did the fellowship because it's what emergency medicine is to the rest of medicine. EMS is to emergency medicine. Like it's even more dirty, even more morbid humor, even more just get shit done. And I love that. That makes me happy. Well, and that's what I've noticed, what I love about your hospital. And then, so your your boss is Dr. Erica Carney. She's been on this podcast, and she was an amazing guest. She was awesome. And one of the things that our fire department's really lucky with to have you both at the top is that that transition from the field to the cleaner field, which is the ER. You know, it's it's yeah. like a, it's like a more well lit, more mopped version of what we actually do, but it's still the same shit show. Yeah. But it, it's that transition so easy when we. You know, bring patients or bring bring you situations that were like, buckle up for this story, and, <laughs> and you and you guys get it. Versus other hospitals that just don't understand, you know, that there is the ER is not the field; they are different. Correct, and it it makes it so easy from that transition point, which I think does improve patient care, mm-hmm. and from the education standpoint. I don't know how many times I've come, you know, to both of you guys as as a medic on this department and been like, uh, help. Because <laughs> you know, I just, you know, yeah. there's situations I've had where I'm like, hey, you know, and we've talked for days afterwards, just following up, trying to figure things out. And that's, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. Like, I don't think people realize how good that is for continuity of care for the patients. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, it, if you don't understand that, that's, well, you're a dick, but it's just like, <laughs> we have to do it all the time is, I mean, I, I, in my position go, I don't understand. Hey, I don't know, nephrologist, help. <laughs> like this stuff doesn't make sense. I learned it in med school. I haven't used it in five years. Can you please explain this to me? This is crazy. So to me, it's like, if I have to do that, I should be perfectly willing and accepting when someone has to turn around to me and say, Hey doc help. So I couldn't even imagine having to deal with like nephrology and then cardiology and go back and forth. With <laughs> we're yeah. not putting them on dialysis. Well, cardiology wants them on dialysis. Well, we're not putting them on dialysis. <laughs> Yep. So I say, you work it out. <laughs> but, um, so, you know, kind of right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. It is unprecedented. Fire departments, police departments, hospitals are having to deal with unprecedented times and trial and erroring solutions on their own what's what's that kind of been like in the emergency room setting you know as an attending physician just kind of seeing all this happen every day um tough (laughs) in a word tough uh part of it is terrifying uh the biggest terrifying part for me for the longest time was i was afraid i was going to kill my wife like i was afraid i was going to get covid not know it because all the symptoms are so many of them are so vague and similar of those of us that work in this field. Yeah. Like, Hey, are you fatigued? Yes. All the fucking time. (laughs) Yeah. So, and it's like, do I have COVID? Do I have it? It's like over and over again. And it's just like, 
I mean, I may die. That's scary. But it's like my biggest worry is like, you know, I'm I'm a sheepdog. So it's like I don't want to kill my wife. Like that would that would be the worst thing ever. Would not me being crippled, but me to cripple her in some way. And so that was terrifying. Um, I think one of the most depressing parts is I have never seen the medical field. I'm trying to figure out how to word this. The medical field so beat up over a topic of basically, hey, you're full of shit. COVID doesn't exist. And like I've had people say that that are young that I'm intubating because of COVID. And I'm like, yeah, you're not faking it. So I don't know. And that that part is hard. It's usually a thankless job, but usually not a negative. Not just thankless, but also... Well, I think fuck you. So. Yeah. yeah, I think part of the problem is how politicized. Yes, that this virus became, and there's there's no politics in medicine. Yeah, but well, now there is. Yeah, correct. So I mean, you can you go on social media, you're going to see this thing or that thing, and then the government tells you this thing, but then they tell you the other thing, and then this news network is saying this, but this news network over here is saying the exact opposite. So I mean. If you're slanted one way or the other, you can go on the internet or watch TV and you can get confirmation bias for your opinion. Correct. And it, it doesn't just apply to that. It's for everything, any topic, pretty much. But, you know, when this happened, when it started to ramp up and then being used as a weapon, basically, yeah. by political parties, most people don't take the time to think for themselves and go, okay, let me do a little bit of research. Let me figure out what this is. I don't need to watch Fox news. I don't need to watch CNN. Correct. I need to figure this shit out. And yeah, that's the other part to that is, uh, yeah, I think you hit that on it. As I've told people, I've never seen the news or a topic so weaponized in my wheelhouse. And it is to say that the people that I agree with that COVID does exist and stuff on their news networks do not, misunderstand that either that they care or that they and that i say that because it's usually liberal leaning news networks or things like that that are like covid does exist get the vaccine and there is fair enough i agree with that but you're also still full of shit yeah (laughs) so you're not doing it because you care about people or you're trying to do good usually it's the same thing you, you they're pushing their agenda along correct which is unfortunate because it's costing people lives yeah. And, you know, it's it's been interesting, too. We were talking about this at the station the other day, how nothing will ever replace the greatest generation during World War II. What they did, it, it can't be replicated. But it, it, we, I find it interesting how this generation, you know, we, we give so much, we talk so much shit about millennials and we joke <laughs> and we laugh and we have fun. It has been the 20s and young 30s somethings that have carried us through this. For going on almost two years now, and you you were right earlier, we're burnt out. Yeah. We're tired. It's taking its toll. For sure. And we push and we push and we push self-awareness and self-health, and it's necessary. But now it's just, we can't keep up. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know, working in that ER setting, I don't know how you guys do it. I, I, you know, we see the nurse-to-patient ratios. We see the just, I, I when it comes to nurses and our doctors, I... I couldn't do it. I couldn't. 
Right. I watch you guys get assaulted every day. I watch urine get thrown on you. I watch you get cussed out for not giving the right narcotic pain med because they're allergic to every non-narcotic pain med. You know, yeah. I, we know the games. We know allergic. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that brings the, up the thought that I just had was, you know, we we sit here and we talk about the pandemic and COVID and how much it's you know just crushed EMS and you know other parts of the society, but the other calls that we ran and the other patients that you've seen, they didn't stop. They're still coming. And me and Moran were talking about this before is what I noticed on the first peak and on this peak, I don't, this is anecdotal. So I don't know if it's true, but it sure as hell feels like it is. We're seeing more COVID. Yes, but we seem to be seeing more everything. Mm -hmm. Like it's not just COVID. uh, It's everything, uh, which is the, the problem. Um, and what you were hitting on too, what it what it calls for and wipes us out. For me, it's not. Uh, it may be a little different than what people expect. That wears me out and stuff. A lot of people think you see people dying, you see uh, things like that, and that takes its toll. Honestly, that's not it for me. I think it's worse for you guys in EMS because we get to see them in my setting, in my house, which I think. I noticed that on the fellowship is that you see, you know, you see someone's open ankle fracture. You're like, yeah, okay. You see someone's open ankle. Nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you see someone's open ankle fracture in context in the field. And it's like the car is demolished. There's, there's so much violence on the scene that you just like, you step back and you go, Whoa, shit, man. Whereas I just see a person wheeled in and I had to explain this to my, to actually to my mom because she had a little bit, uh, a trouble understanding because my brother, my older brother is a, a firefighter paramedic too. And, uh, he said something that she perceived as cold and was worried that, uh, he, uh, was getting cold. And I had to explain to her, you have to understand most people have a very personal relationship with death. What that means is everyone they've known that has died has been someone close to them. So it has a large impact. Uh, it, it every death, therefore they kind of, perceived through that lens of it's been very personal for me there's a tipping point where i've seen more people that died in front of me that i didn't know and i feel bad for the family i'm like that sucks but i didn't know them what what take uh uh, takes its toll on me is just i have to intellectually empty myself every shift like that is an unnatural act of I try and work my ass off to save as many people as I can. And by the time I'm done, I can basically sit in front of a TV maybe and have a beer. Like that's a high level activity. I've got nothing left in my tank. Um, and I, I'm just, I'm just done. And that act of emptying myself over and over and over again is not natural. And so that's, that's, that's what gets me is it's like, Oh, I'm just exhausted and it's just, it makes the rest of life hard. And that's what kind of leads to depression and stuff on my side. So I know the, the, the thing that my wife has that same, she's a therapist Yeah, and it's give, 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 you know, all your effort, all your effort. You got to take some time. You got to fill that tank back up. Yeah. And if you don't, that's whenever you hit that exhaustion depression all of that stuff and it is magnified because you don't have that reserve i mean medics on the job do it yeah well we've always said we've talked a lot on this podcast too about how we we all do a real good job of like our job is the last thing to go 
mm-hmm. home life, friendships, everything else. Yeah. But we've always maintained real well with the job. But you're right. We have all been emptying so much every day without a chance for recharging. We're seeing it on the job now. Yeah. Unfortunately. Um, it just... it. What did you expect? It's the human limitation. Yeah. We're not invincible. You, all we can do is the best we can, and that's it. So Yeah. And every one of these fields is understaffed and overworked. Yeah. Because you're right. I mean, like you talked about earlier, call volume, yeah. you know, patient volume, all that stuff has gone up exponentially in the last, and it has. it was even before COVID. Yeah. I mean, the station that I used to work at, whenever I first came on the fire department, probably 13, 1400 calls a year. Whenever I left there earlier this year, they're on pace to hit over 4,000. I mean, that was more than the busiest company was whenever I first came on the job. I know we've got like in the world of even just the EMS we had two years ago, we had an ambulance hit 5,000 calls and we all shit ourselves. We're like, what? Yeah. We've got two on pace for 7,000 and five on pace for 5,000 this year. Jeez. So, I mean, it's, they're there. The yeah. calls are there. The, the, you know, the, the emergencies are there. Oh. Yeah. Well. Subjectively emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like Darren just said, it's their worst day. <laughs> but no, Tyler, you're talking like, for me, it's the blood, the gore, like that's, that's manageable for us at this point. But I did a whole episode where a month or so ago, just, the human on human violence, the human on human hatred, the human on human lack of regard. That's what I'm almost shit full of. Yes. It just seeing what humans do to other humans out of greed, out of selfishness, out of anger. It's exhausting. It, I think it hits a multitude harder now than it did before too. Like I can't tell you, you see someone that's doesn't need help, but they're stalling or they're malingering or, in a time when I need every bed I can possibly get and they're eating up a bed and they were trying to find a way to not leave that bed. It's like, it's understandable if, if I, for example, didn't have a home, if I didn't have, I would be doing the same shit, but I'm in my position and I got to treat people with a waiting room that's full. And I'm just like, like it, that used to be, eh, that's annoying. Now it's like, rage! I I don't know how many times I've, I've, seriously, I've straight up said to patients in the last, especially like three months, because these last three months have been terrible. I'm like, hey, we're in a fucking pandemic, (laughs) and you are not the center of attention. Yes. Like, it, stop. Correct. You're wasting ambulances, you're wasting hospital bed, like, stop. Yeah, and that's the thing too, is like, I'll see you guys come in, and it's like, I can see it in your in your faces. It's sometimes it's just like a shrug of, I didn't have a choice. This is bullshit. I know it's bullshit. I did everything I can, but this person and there's the I mean there's those people that they know the things and and this is not to say every patient's this way. I'm not trying to say that because the, there's a this is a small small minority I'm talking about. It's just those are the ones that really affect you and stick with you. And, like you'll, you'll, And they're taxing on the system. Whatever yeah. that system may be, they are taxing. Yeah. And, Unfortunately, yeah. that minority is not that small. Yeah. It's, you know, you say, oh, it's just a small percentage of the patients that are like that. Unfortunately, it's it seems like that percentage gets bigger every day. Yeah. You know, you I mean, know. Well, I mean, at your hospital, we have, we track our, I guess you just call them frequent flyers, high utilizers. Yeah. What's five pages front and back? 
yeah of names yeah it's, and that's just going to that hospital yeah it that, blows that, my mind that's definitely yeah because i definitely i see i'll see a name come up there's nothing been wrong with them the past five days that they've come maybe eight times in the past five days and your heart just sinks you're just like oh it's there's a, a saying that has gotten me. It's I used to kind of do it, but for some reason it's become my mantra, and I've been teaching it to my residents, and it's becoming a theme. And I learned it from people that are much better than I from in the military, which is embrace the suck. Mm-hmm. It's just you know what, bring it, fuck you, bring it, and it's just uh, I don't know. That's helped me a lot, aside from medication. <laughs> but <laughs> well, you know, it's a lot about perspective. Yeah, you know, like. James and I have conversations and, you know, don't tell people we talk outside of here, please. Well, <laughs> no words out. They already know, <laughs> but you know, like what's going on with our department and our shortage of medics and mm-hmm. all of that stuff, you know, you, you signed up to do a job. Okay. Yes. It sucks. And you're overworked, you're underpaid, all of that stuff you have to change your perspective and stop worrying about the things that you can't control mm-hmm. because that's upper management stuff. You, as a frontline worker, you're not going to affect that. You can scream, you can kick your feet, you can drop on the ground and roll around like a child. Doesn't work. Tried it. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't work. I've seen you try it. Yeah. yeah. They, said you're, they said you're 30. Get up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's a candy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like a Werther's? <laughs> so, but no, you, It comes down to being able to shift your perspective and think about the things that you can control and take Mm -hmm. enjoyment in those things. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, we all run shit calls. Toe pain at 2 a.m. That's Mr. Moran's favorite. Yeah. But, you know, there are those other calls that we run that are legit. And we, by and large, as individuals and human beings, we focus on the negative. Mm -hmm. That's just a a human tendency. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about that a few minutes ago, but you have to focus on the positive and celebrate your wins. Yeah. You know, that guy that you pulled out of the car wreck and got him to the hospital and then you guys were able to do something and he walked out of the hospital a couple of days later where if we hadn't been there, he'd have died. Think about that. Focus on that. Celebrate your victories. And that's what I've had to do with my residents too is, and for those of you who don't know, the residents are baby doctors, doctors, baby doctors, baby doctors. They're, they're, I'm training them emergen- in emergency medicine, but they'll be like, they get one victory and they're like, well, at least I helped one person. And I start going through my list that you did this for this person, this for this person, this for this person. Now all of them are glorious and full of honor. And you're like, man, I am a badass. but you helped every single person, even the ones that drive you insane. You help them by not giving them narcotics or like you're yeah. not feeding it. You did. You did. If you weren't here, they would be in big trouble. Yeah. It um, doesn't have to be holding their femoral artery until they get to surgery. Yeah. You know? That's sexy. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> the other part that you, I think something you hit on was really important. And I, I keep my brain keeps on coming back to what I forget to be saying is self-care is huge. Um, there's a di- big difference. And I am bad about confusing the two sometimes about escapism and self-care you need to figure out what fills you up and actually makes you whole again um sometimes you need a little bit of escapism sometimes i will get home and i will have a bourbon and that does not fill me up at all but it 
sure as hell makes me not have to think about the shit. But then people get caught up in that escapism, whether that be watching Netflix, having a beer, things like that. That's okay to do that, but you have to eventually come around. Because the part of the thing is it's scary is because it takes energy to think about what fills you back up. It takes energy to kind of figure that out. And in a time when there's almost no energy, that's daunting. But if you can find that, like I found that as weird as it is, like I can sit and watch Netflix, but if I watch sit and watch next, pick a wife with my, uh, pick a wife, pick a movie <laughs> with my wife, the one. Hopefully. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah. The multitude of my wives. Yeah. Now, uh, if you, if I pick a movie with my wife and we watch it together, that's a small thing, but I tell you, I walk away from spending time with my wife because she's much cooler than I am. And I'm like, man, that was awesome. Like, it was a small difference, but it made a big difference in my... You were doing it with a purpose. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. Yeah. If you... And I do it too. I will crawl out on that couch out there and my pit bull will jump up on me and lay on my face. And I'll sit there and I will watch Netflix for five hours and feel the same afterwards. Yeah. You know, or do something like, okay, I'm going to do this, you know, whether it's hang out with my wife or we're going to watch a show or I'm going to go work on something or, you know, go to the range. Yeah. I love the range. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, but it's, I think the key is doing something with a purpose. Yeah. You know, being thoughtful about it and being deliberate. Engaging in your life instead of checking out. Yeah. So, you know, it's the embrace to suck has been really real lately. Just kind of watching this survival mode we're in and quite frankly, finding the humor in it. Yeah. You know, like there's that quote, the, the movie, The Campaign with Will Ferrell and Zach Galifianakis. I think about all the time where Will Ferrell just looks over, he's like, welcome to the fucking show. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it felt like lately. I, remember I brought a drama in a while back and this dude literally scalped himself from this wreck. <laughs> and I was just so tired of my radio report. I was like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 your old male eyes my exact words on the radio. He basically fucking scouts himself. <laughs> and I get in and Dr. Ison was there. And she's like, you were lying. And I'm like, no. <laughs> it's two in the morning. I don't have time to lie right now. <laughs> you can't make this shit up. I think that's, that's sometimes I forget that. I, I, for me, sorry if this goes off the road a little bit, but for me, I'm a religious guy. And I think one of the big things, one of God's big languages is humor. And it's a, sometimes a very weird sense of humor. And I lose that sometimes. It's because what made me realize that partially that I wanted to do emergency medicine too is kind of like I would be in field medicine training out of Camp Pendleton. I'd be eating a shitty MRE. I would be fucking dirty. It, it just, it was miserable. And then it would start raining and I would just start cracking up. I'm like, this fucking sucks. <laughs> and it was just like, I was so happy though because it was just like, and it's like, I'm wired weirdly. So that was that's why I like emergency medicine is that it's you don't find that humor in it's not just with people it's the whole situation like you said you can't make this up it's just like sometimes you step back and you're like really really seriously and I don't know that's good stuff but you have to look for it it's because I remember the other day I was getting I was getting chest pains I was getting so angry on shift because it was just a total shift full of bullshit I had a lot of sick people that were very nice and very timid, and then a lot of people that needed nothing that were not raising the the most noise. 
And I, I literally, I haven't done this. I can't even remember having done this, but I had to pray for a second because I was like, I'm going to fucking throat punch somebody. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is so such- Dear Lord Jesus, please. <laughs> yes. And it was just like, I prayed about it. And then suddenly like the humor came back and I was like, it was always there. I just lost track of that. Like it's always there. And when you focus it, it becomes, it's like, this is good shit instead of, I hate everyone. Yeah. And that, like you said, it's perspective. Perspective. Yeah. But I, you just have to realize when you're going in a, a bad cycle, you're going in a spiral and you're like, your perspective's bad. You got to, you got to find a new one. And for me personally, for me, and I think people, again, I'm not a person that's going to say everyone needs to be my religion or have religion or anything. But for me, that's, that's where mine comes in is because I found that prayer helps me. So it's like, if you meditate, if you do whatever your religion is, if maybe it's not religion at all, but Find something that helps you get that perspective and recharge you. Because for me, I can't do it by myself. I I just get fucking angry sometimes. My wife calls it military, Tyler. You can see see a line. I'm like, hey. like I'm usually like chill, 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 not chill. And it's like the not chill is like I definitely just flip a switch and I I get loud and I get do this, do this fucking now thing. So, but yeah, yeah. Well, I think part of that is being. That's when your patient's like, "You don't have to yell, (laughs) (laughs) bitch." (laughs) Correct. Yeah, I I think part of it's being self-aware and knowing that. And a lot of people seems like they have no clue what's going on in their head or why they're doing the things that they're doing or acting the way that they're acting. Yeah, and you know, a a little bit of self-awareness goes a long way. If you know that it's like, "Hey, I'm spinning up," I I need to check on myself. Yeah. It's, it's wisdom, not yeah. intelligence. It's wisdom, being able to know your shortcomings, yeah. and knowing that that what's that Alcoholics Anonymous thing? Uh, knowing what you can't change, changing what you can. That yeah. that whole thing that I'm not going to get right. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what is you know, as an attending physician, mm-hmm. um, as an associate director of a fire department, as a leader in many aspects of what you do, what have you done to kind of keep the troops morale up essentially? Um, part of it is faith in them. That's gone a long way. I see sometimes they get down because they'll get micromanaged and that brings someone down when they're doing, embracing all this crap and then they're not even being trusted. It's like that. So part of my thing is I'm a big believer in autonomy. I'm trying to hover over them, making sure they're doing things right. But I also believe in, I kind of view it a little differently because some attendings will, we have, I mean, we have a great group of attendings up there, but it's some attendings kind of run the show. My, in my head, my job is to let them run the show and make sure they're going in the right direction. Uh, there, there's usually for a lot of things, there's a general, a general like, piece of the pie that is the right direction. I may lie over here and the resident wants to go this direction. That's fine. There's usually not, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Sometimes there's one way to skin a cat. Sometimes like, no, you will do this. But, <laughs> but, but a lot of times there's, there's more than one way and I have to let go and say, okay, that's the way you want to do it. That's not wrong. That's fine. And uh, uh, there's plenty of people that would do it that way. Okay. And then telling them they do a good job, telling them, pointing out their wins. Uh, it's, it, there's a great a great book that I read in the Navy that changed the way I do leadership a lot called it's your ship. 
So I'm that's fa- I'm familiar with that book. That book is actually on our fire department. Um, used to be. It's not anymore. Oh, but used to be on our reading material for the captain's promotion. Right on. One I, of my, and I've read it. One of my favorite stories in it was uh, the captain that ordered the barge with the beer because uh. they couldn't drink on the ship and it was New Year's. <laughs> so he like ordered a barge to pull up the ship with a whole bunch of beer on it and just they jumped ship and went to the bars to drink on new year's because they couldn't have it on the ship for the yeah. navy there was nothing about leaving the ship to go drink i have to go reread it i'm actually going to teach a, a lecture this year on military or leadership lessons learned in the military because i don't know there's a big difference between leadership and a manager and i really like that the military seems to breed leaders and i like that um, but that, yeah, it's a, it's a, I need to reread it. Cause it, again, I've listened to it twice, read it once, but now it's been like four years, five years, something like that. But I mean, all of it's, a, uh, and the takeaway for me, if, again, you correct me, you probably, if you've read it <laughs> more no. recently, but it's about a lot of it is building up your people. It's, it's how do I help, help my people? You're basically mm-hmm. trying to work yourself out of a job so that you've built your people up enough so that mm-hmm. they're can do it on their own. Like, even if you're not there, they're doing a great job. They're coming up with ideas. They're, they're leading themselves. Yeah. You're setting your people up for success. That's the general yeah. theorem of the book. And I mean, that's kind of, I do that. I, I, I tell them that it's okay to be angry because that's one thing I learned in residency was I, I learned you can't be sad and happy, but you can be mad and happy. Um, as weird as that sounds is because I used to be, I'm a people pleaser. I like people. And it was a totally different world when I got in the emergency room and people, there's people that just want to fuck you over. And you're just like, I, I, at first I would let them kind of bully me and stuff like that. And then somewhere in second year, I kind of professionally told a patient to fuck off. And I said, (laughs) that felt great. And I felt great the rest of the day. I've arrived. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And basically I learned like, Oh, it's okay to be angry. I can still be happy because it's justified, but it's, you can't be like when I was letting compromising myself at the, like the first year of residency, I was just sad and I couldn't be, I was really depressed. But when I put that switch and it was more okay standing up for myself and my standards, it's like, okay, okay, I can do this. Cool. So, but, uh, I let them, I talk about mental health a lot on shift uh, telling them it's a hard job and because no one else talks about it. It's really, people are uncomfortable talking about that. But for me, it's like, I guess I take a military mindset a little bit. It's my job to make sure they are okay. It's not my job to just train them as doctors. It's my job to carry them over the finish line. If I have to on my back, it's my job to, if they're going through something in their life, if this zombie apocalypse happens, I have to make sure they're alive. That's my job. And so to me, it's like, I don't think a lot of people embrace it that way, but that's because I'm, I'm a, again, nerd reference. Thank God I'm married to a hot woman, but I'm a Hufflepuff. Like my whole, like, (laughs) I'm so a Hufflepuff. I'm just like, I like taking care of people. It makes me so happy to help good people. And so sure we like hashtag Harry Potter on this. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) So, well, but that's the thing though. That's the difference. Like you were talking about earlier between a leader and a manager. Yeah. I, I'm obsessed. I've been thinking about that for like the last couple of minutes because in health, in in public service, you can't have managers. You got to yeah. have leaders, and even more so with this pandemic, it has really shined a light 
on the difference between the two. Yeah. There, you know who are the pizza party people, and you know who are the get down on in the ground, in the dirt, and do it with you people. Yeah. And that is desperately what we all need to get through this right now. Yeah. It's the dilemma is bureaucracy kills leaders. Uh, leaders need to be free to what, do what they need to do. It's it's hard. But yes, I agree with you. It's because I stayed after on a shift to just keep seeing patients and the, the eyes of my residents, whoa. I'm like, yeah, it's about to get bad. Shit's going to suck. And they're just like, yeah, let's go. Okay. And so they stayed after too. They said, how can I help? What can I do? And it's like, before they were so ready to get off shift and now they're like, yeah, let's go. Bring it. It's like, yeah. That's what you need to do. So, again, I've seen way better. This is me going, yeah, good job, Dr. Haas. You're awesome. <laughs> Don't hurt your shoulder there, yeah. Doc. <laughs> but it's like, that's the thing. Is like, I've seen so much better leadership in the military where I was just, like, blown away and so many more heroic people. But it's, that's why I want to teach that, that lecture is because, like, I'm just doing with the people that were way better at it than me that I would be like, yeah, I would follow you into gunfire. Fuck Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to mimic them and I'm doing it to a much less adequate degree. But just the fact that the civilian life doesn't have many of that. The the mindset is still applicable. You just change how you do it. Yeah. It's a different setting. Yeah. But the leadership skills are still just as important to me. Correct. Absolutely. Expect heroism. It's just, it's people like, well, I can be a hero. It's like, yeah, do it, get after it. So it's gonna, it's, it's that whole thing. Embrace the suck is this is going to suck. Doesn't mean we can't be awesome. Do it. Yeah. So. Well, and the the other thing is nothing lasts forever. Yeah. It's not going to suck forever. Yeah. God, it's on pace too, though. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I read about a new Correct. fucking variant every day, and I'm like, yep, we're just g-. Well, eventually you're going to retire, and it ain't going to be your problem anymore. So. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean, you know, people need to realize, you know, life is about change and transition. Yeah. So eventually it'll be the next thing and the next thing. So it, it won't be this thing forever. Correct. You know, I was just reading about the move variant last night and I'm like, shit, here we go. Variant. Yeah. It's down like South. It's basically a vaccine resistant variant down in South America and Ecuador. It's accounting for like 39% of the, um, cases in Argentina and like 25% in Ecuador and it's vaccine resistant. And I'm like, here it is. See it. Apocalypse is coming. <laughs> it's working a little way on up North. <laughs> I just, I re, I, re, I, I do little snippets while I'll dive into the news for it. And then I'll just, cause I, when I was reading it, all I was doing was panicking me. It's cause I'm just like, it's going to happen. There's literally nothing like you talk about controlling what you control. And yeah. I'm like, it's not going to change anything. It's just, and so I'm just like, I just don't need to know. I'm just going to, it's going to show up and it's going to suck. And I just need to be ready. Got it. Yep. So do, do as best you can to prepare for it Yeah. and do your best. And I mean, that's really all that any of us can really do. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's not, none of us are epidemiologists. We're not going to cure it. Correct. That's so. what, that's what I realized. I'm, I'm an emergency physician and people ask me that my opinions on COVID and stuff. I'm, like, I'm an emergency physician, man. I'm just do whatever you do. So I don't have to see you. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Stop calling 911. Correct. Um, and I think what, uh, what you're saying about our leadership and management, or morale high with my residents, I think one of the biggest things I've done with that is just let people know they're taken care of. Like, sometimes we do. We, you say a pizza party, stuff like that, but 
will pay for meals. Like I think it was, who was it? I think it was Patton. He was talking about like, maybe it wasn't. I'm going to totally misattribute that. And the saying is going to be totally butchered. But it's basically like wars are not won by strategy. It's won by basically feeding your people and making sure they have clean socks. And that like that's a good military officer. It's like someone that actually checks in on their people mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. Like, hey, I'm, and that, all that is saying is like, hey, I'm watching you. I'm taking care of you. Whoa, I just got way closer to starting that. Um, but, <laughs> you were emphasizing. I yeah. like it. Yeah, so, it's just yeah. letting people know that they, they're they cared about and their leaders give a shit about them. Yeah. You know, it's like, hey, yes, I'm a leader. I'm in charge. Whatever. I'm up here making decisions. Yeah. I still care about you. I care about your well-being, what you're going through, you know, your help with the mission, whatever it may be that goes so much further than anything else that you can do as a leader. Yeah. Tyler, I'm going to switch gears on you for a little bit. <laughs> this is never good, Tyler. I, I wasn't thinking it was good. <laughs> you have uh, and I'm very grateful for it. You proudly served this country. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Jeremy and I are both very thankful for that. You've been seeing the same catastrophe. Mm-hmm in Afghanistan right now. Um, having served this country, having seen friends that have done deployments over there, having lost people, you know, that have went over there. What is, what is kind of going on mental health wise for those that have served, that have watched everything they work for almost just kind of fail in a couple of weeks. It's been rough. Um, I mean, I'm selfish enough and preoccupied enough that I'm like, I got COVID that thing's going to handle itself. But I mean, I check in on my people and I mean, they are really having a rough time. There's multiple people trying to, I mean, they work with interpreter X and they're really trying to get that person out of, out of there or, and they're trying to mobilize as much as they can. I mean, it's not been good for them at all. Uh, but I don't know. As, as an ER physician, if you had unfortunate event or a veteran would come in with SI, you know, suicidal ideations. How do you talk to him about it? What do you say? How do you remove the Dr. Haas and go back to the person, Tyler? Well, I mean, I usually introduce myself to my patients is, Hey, I'm Tyler Haas. I'm one of the doctors on your care team. So they can pick unless it's, it depends on the psych. If they are psychotic, I'm Dr. Haas because you have to create a barrier to be able to, keep a little distance but if it's if it's si especially if it's a vet i mean i generally try to introduce myself that way and then i say you know what what branch word did you serve and then you know their army and say well i'll forgive you for that i give them some shit about it because and then actually you see him perk up a little bit because what happens is they're not used to people caring at all like they're used to just not a necessarily negative but a numb feeling and you can kind of break through by giving i've found that a lot is humor not to be too patch adamsy but humor is a good medicine uh and i explained that i was a corpsman and i didn't do shit because again i get people to say thank you for your service i'm like i loved it but i didn't get deployed so of course i loved it you know i got to do all the cool stuff and shoot machine guns and all this stuff and play around with some amazing people but i didn't have to do shit so, but, uh, uh, 
I really, it kind of depends. Uh, cause like for, uh, when I find someone is, uh, was, or I guess they're, they're always a Marine. When I find out someone's a Marine, when they find out I'm a corpsman, it's a big boon. They're just like, Oh, thank God I came to the right person because again, corpsman's God's gift to the military. It's just like, like I, I did not live up to that. Like they, yeah. Corpsmen are amazing. They're the most decorated corps in the Navy. Like that's insane. The medal of honors, like the, and the stuff that I've read the stories and I'm like, well, shit, I couldn't have done that. Like, I don't know. It's pretty cool. But so that's a big, I mean, the Marines love their docs. So, but, uh, it also kind of depends because, because you served in the military, we're all human too. There's also people that are full of shit. I mean, we get tons of, we, we get the, the patients no one else will see at Truman. Um, no one else wants to see. And you still get the people that need a home because they're homeless. They can be a vet. But you have to tease that out. You have to read people. You have to figure out what's going on because that's the bit, one of the biggest parts is reading people is, I mean, that's all you have is what they're saying in their body language What's it telling you? You know, if someone's flat affect, meaning they're just emotionless, you start to get worried. You're like, okay. And you try to get, see if you can break through with humor, but you have to, again, you have to read the room. Misplaced humor is also can be bad, but uh, you have to read the room and kind of figure out what's going on. And the, sometimes the best thing you can do is talk as little as possible, honestly, and get them to uh, a psych specialist, someone that they can actually help them because I can sedate people that are, but as far as like getting people on meds and stuff, yeah, we're no good at that. So we basically just need to get them to the help they do need. So it, it varies from place to place, from person to person and situation. Does that answer your question? Yeah. It's just, it, you know, it, it's interesting, like how separate the military and healthcare are, but how so similar they are too. Yeah. There's so many, so many morals and work ethics and mindsets can transition between the two, but they're two very different things. And especially in the military, really with our own jobs, like you don't get what, you know, you don't understand what nurses do unless they're nurses. You don't understand what firefighters do or cops do unless you're a firefighter cop. Yeah. And you don't understand what the military went through unless you're in the military. Yeah. And how truly how cool of an extra tool in your box it is just to connect to more patients with that. Yeah. It helps because a lot of people don't understand the language of giving people shit. Like that's something that's a way of saying in the military, Hey, I care about you. If someone's nice to you, you're like, what did I do to them? Why do they hate yeah. me? <laughs> well, it's that, it's that subculture that kind of, you know, fire departments, police departments, military, we all share to a certain extent and they're all slightly different, you know, and especially the terminologies of, you know, nicknames or whatever yeah. may be said, you know, cause you know, I know some things may be, acceptable on the fire department to say to each other, but cops would never say that stuff to each other and military yeah. members would never say it, but things that they would say to each other, there is no way in hell we would, but it's all the, it's that same subculture genre, I guess is what you could say. It, t- it takes yeah. a special person to be an HR director over any fire police. <laughs> <laughs> Bless their hearts. Talk about hard jobs. Yeah. yeah. You said what? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but he said this to me last week. Yeah. And that being said, like, cause I get the thank you for your service, but it's, 
everyone's called it different things. And I would say, thank you guys for your service. Cause to me, the thing that I respect the most, I just happen to see a lot more of it in the military. And now that I'm getting back into EMS, I'm seeing it there too, is the, the sheepdog mentality of, I don't care. How can I help? You know, like that, that is amazing. That makes me like, I tear up when I think about that mentality of just like, wow, you people just blow me away. So we had a, a night mm, about a year ago, had a, it ended up being like an eight person shooting Jeez. and a traffic accident with a couple reds as they were fleeing the shooting. And we get there and there's only like four patients there, five patients and four of them were red. And we were like, Ooh, well, okay, this is it. We call your hospital, and they're like, we'll take them all. We're like, cool. Well, what we didn't know and what the hospital didn't know were the other Reds got POV transported. And I watched it, two people's chests get cracked within a matter of like five minutes. And one of them, they got back, and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> but it, what was so cool is that I watched all, like, I watched the police officers. I watched the fire crews. I remember I went to the charge nurse, Blake, and I'm like, what do, what do you need? Yeah. Where, where do you need us? What do we need? I've got my monitor. I've got our back. What do you need? And he's like, uh, room three. And it was so awesome. Just this, uh, like, you know, KCFD and PD was, you know, was holding a limb yeah. or something. And FD was starting an IV and nurses were charting and the doctors were, I'm like, this is fucking cool. I mean, this is a shit show, but this is cool. That's what, I, when I tell people, like, one of my favorite things is to run codes. It's like, Ooh, but that's why. It, it, I feel terrible. I'm sorry for the patient. I'm sorry for the family. But when you see people come together in the worst of times and say, what do we need to do? It's like that, that, things that make you emotional, whether it's death, that's what makes me emotional. Like when I hear a medic say something like that, like if it's you and I hear in the background, it's like, hold your shit together, Hoss. Hold your shit together. Because it's like <laughs> that moves me. That makes me go, damn, that's fucking cool. So why does it have to be, and this just popped into my head, why does it have to be an extreme time for us to come together like that? That's when we're at our best. Or worst. Oh, yeah, but even our worst is like, the, the, we thrive in the shit. When, I, th I think that's, that's what, I think it's part of the thing that, like, to me at least, someone, I've seen people be good when it's easy, and then when it's hard, they just ditch that as fast as they can. So when I see people that decide to be good when it's not easy, and they say, I'm going to keep doing this path, that blows me away. That's just like, damn, man. That, and that's what makes me keep wanting to do what I do. It's why I wanted to go to kind of an academic places because I wanted to teach residents. And part of that is that not just medicine, but you got to learn that. You got to say, how can I help? What can I do? Um, and just, I don't know. That's to me, that's the, one of the best things in life is saying that it's just, I think it's, I think it's because, uh, you also, it's hard to trust that and unless it's the worst of times like because i've there was this guy in my residency that everyone loves and i didn't like him i couldn't figure out why something didn't feel right and then i found out i, I mean i honestly think he might have been a sociopath because he was so unbelievably convincing and then every time he had the chance to throw someone under the bus he did but then he would talk such a fantastic talk about how he had everyone's back about and it was convincing normally it's, I'm, my bullshit meter is going way off I'm like, mm -hmm. yeah, you're full of it. But he talked me into it. It must have been eight times before I was like, because I want to have faith in people and be like, nope, this guy's an asshole. And so it's like, you, it's hard to trust that what people say until they prove it. 
because I don't want to put my hands in someone's life or whatever to that degree until I know. And so that's why it's usually the worst of, t- at least that's, this is me pulling something out of my ass. But that's what I would say is, is when I see someone do good in the worst of times, then I go, you know what? I can trust Moran. Whatever he's going to ask. Yep. Okay. You know, what's cool too, in a, in a non acute setting, Tyler, you made the comment, you're like, you know, thank you for your guys' service. What what I've noticed, especially over the last 20 years with yeah. this war that just ended, we did have a real big resurgence of taking care of our vets. Yeah. But what was, and this isn't, this isn't by any means to knock on what they do. And I've heard this from a lot of vets is that they're like, hey, like we saw it for a year. You guys back home are seeing it for a career. And I've seen this embracing of when it comes to like mental health awareness yeah the veterans and the first responders and the nurses are all like we're in this shit together yeah like it and it's been really cool to watch um this you know in in the immediate incident yeah we all come together we work well it, but in the in the retrospect outside of work when we're we're talking about our each other's lives yeah how well we've kind of come together and be like hey we're, we're we're all going through this. Let's all yeah. do it together. doesn't yeah. matter if you're in blue, if you're in red, if you're in green. Dude, how many countless programs are there now that service fire, police, and military? Exclusively. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about, you know, mental health services. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I could count probably half a dozen that are just here in the metro alone. They did not exist 10 years ago. It's hard. I mean, it's, that's a weird statement. It's, it's been hard for people to identify. Yeah, I mean, because it's like the military has an obvious, you're going to see war. That's been recognized with the pro-military stuff, the, the greatest generation. I mean, we say that because of World War II. That's what, and so it, they, they, people started to recognize the war, but it's, I mean, it is really hard for people for some reason to come and recognize what firefighters do and EMS does. Uh, I mean, part of that was even me, like until I got into fellowship and I, I didn't understand why more medics and stuff had PTSD. And then I went on scene and I'm like, Whoa, this is way different. This is way more emotionally charged. This is. And so, and, but I mean, there's this, the same thing in the military is it's so hard for people to ask for help. So of course everyone's going to shut up about it and not talk. And it's like, just like, I think I'm so glad that stuff's happening is because it needs to be there. I mean, it's stuff like therapy, medications, not doesn't matter. Like do what you got to do to do. The important part is the job. Like, because some people think, for example, I'm on meds. I already talked about some of the meds, but it's just like, it's because I get depression and stuff. But for me, it's not a weakness. I want to do the job and I want to do it. Well, find what you need to be able to do the job. Uh, uh, it's not a weakness if you need meds or something. Because think about what we were talking about earlier. It's any other job that's not as stressed as this. And you're like, well, they don't need meds. They don't do what you do. Well, it's no different. Mm-hmm. Like in the military, you wouldn't take a, a tank at 75% out to a battle. Yeah. You'd, you'd fix it before you took it out. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's the same way with us. Like, Or even more basic, you're not going to go into you know, combat with a rifle with no ammunition. Yeah. 
or in you know you wouldn't go you wouldn't go on a fire with no fire hose on the truck you wouldn't you know like you wouldn't go out and patrol without handcuffs like it's part of your job it's preparing you for it yeah Yeah. don't set yourself up for failure so it being mentally prepared for your job our job any of the professions that we've talked about that's step one that's step one there's mental mental preparation and physical preparation and they are equally as important yeah so and a lot of people lose sight of that yeah it's yeah the people focused on being tough and just like instead have insight and to me tough is keep doing the job so figure out how you can keep doing the job so yeah yeah 100% right yeah well and there's there's also you know the stigma of the mental health yeah with all of our professions and all of that stuff. There's also, and I, I talked about this the other day, I had this conversation. There's also a factor of self awareness that we talked about earlier of mm-hmm. maybe it's not the career for you. Yeah. You know, and if, and there's no shame in that at yeah. all. It, you have to have a certain mindset or mind to be able to do the things that we do and see the things that we see just because you think it's cool to be a fireman or you think it's cool to be an ER doc or whatever the case may be, doesn't mean necessarily that that's the career for you. Correct. You know, like what you talked about earlier about how, you know, the psychiatry thing and all of that of how, and you decided it wasn't for you and you switched gears. Yeah. There's no shame in doing that. You know, if you come on, we'll use the fire department as an example you come on, you're six months in, you're a year in, and it's just not your thing. Okay. Yeah. It's fine. Go do something else. Because if it's not your thing now, in 25 years, it's still not going to be your thing and you're going to be fucked up. Correct. For not doing your thing for your whole life. You got to follow where you're being, what what I say being called, but really it's insight where, where, you, where you feel you fit. Because I remember one of the people I respected most in the military – uh, was a fellow corpsman. Um, he was a badass. He was, he's got like two black belts. He's, he's fit as one of the most fit people I've ever seen. He could do this cartoon stuff, one finger push ups. I'm like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, the guy was a badass and he was caring and he did his job so well. So I was so convinced, you know, medicine, medicine, medicine. You got to do medicine. And he tried for a while and he couldn't get into it. And then he went and became a bartender. And it's like, womp, womp. He was like second in the world bartender. Like that was his calling. It's like, you got to find what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed to do. It doesn't have to be. I'm lucky in that what I'm called to do is also externally validated and that people go, Oh, you're an ER doc. Cool. Like that's great. But that just happens to be the way I'm wired. I just got lucky and that I also get people that pat me on the back, not just myself. But in my opinion, it's like, don't find the thing that pets that everyone pats you on the back. Find the thing you can pat yourself on the back for. And you're like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is great. And to say that, that thing of, I don't agree with the saying that's find a job you love. You won't work a day in your life. It's, I don't think that's the case because I mean, my shifts fucking suck, but at the same time, even when it gets worse, I'll look inside myself and I'm like, but I'm doing the right thing. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's, 
a love hate <laughs> where I'm just like, I love this. This is what I'm supposed to be doing, even though I hate what's happening right now. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. you can hate this. You can hate the situation, hate the circumstance, but at the end of the day, you're doing something that fulfills you and yeah. that you feel like you're meant to be doing. I think that's so huge and it's so important and it often gets overlooked, especially in our career fields. Cause I mean, you know, you got, I'm sure you guys have it too of, well, my dad was a doctor or my mom was a doctor. And so I'm going to be a doctor and my dad will kick your dad's ass. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we have the same thing of, you know, well, my parent was a firefighter or my uncle was a firefighter and you know, it's the, it's the family business or whatever. Yeah. Doesn't mean it's the right thing for you. Yeah. You know, it, it, maybe it is and you'll come on, have a great career. And I'm not saying yes or no either way. What I'm saying is, take a little time and reflect and go into your chosen career field with your eyes open and know what it entails. And I think at least on the fire department side, I don't know, maybe you could speak on the medicine side, but we do a, let's say less than ideal job of preparing people for what they're going to see out in the field. And in the defense of most training academies, I don't know, how they could do better. Yeah. Like as far as, because until you have been in that room and seen those things, you can do classroom work about it all the time, but I don't think it really prepares you. So, but I think most people come out unprepared for that. Yeah. No, I, I agree to a degree. Uh, Because, I mean, at first I didn't think I could do this job when I first started, but as you start getting exposed more and more, your normal becomes weird. And that you're like, oh, this this guy's legs blown off, whatever. But uh, it's, I mean, I don't because people do like they want to become a doctor because I'm going to help people, and they have this image that people are going to be thankful. And so, I mean, what I tell people that are considering medicine is, I say, don't, don't do medicine. The reason why is because there's two things that'll happen. One, I will convince them just by saying that. And if they weren't that committed, they shouldn't be in medicine. Or they won't listen to me because it's what they're called to do. And they're going to do it anyway. And to me, like that's what it takes. It's because, again, there are so many people in, in my job that are burnt out. There's people that were in New York when COVID happened, they shot themselves. It's mass depression and all this stuff and being worn out. So you got to love what you do to hang on to it. And it's just, uh, it is not a thankful job usually. It is, it's just, you got to be wired weird. And that like, I love working in the trenches. I love going home and being like, man, that, that was, I got some shit done. That was awesome. That's what fulfills me. And so, and occasionally there is a person that's thankful. I'm not saying it's never thankful. There's occasionally a person that's, and you're like, whoa, what just happened? Why did they say thank you? <laughs> but. Because you gave them a turkey sandwich. Yeah. True. Or Delauded. Correct. <laughs> I'll, I'll, oh, Delauded. You want to say thank you? All the Delauded you want. <laughs> so. But yeah, it's just, it's, it's, you have to have that internal motivation instead of an external motivation to do it. Um, and you got to f- search yourself to find out what, why you want to do something like this It's because you may be in a place. I mean, there may be a place worse than this. There's, there, I felt like the place my residency was in was even worse, um, up in, up in Cleveland, 
uh, I felt like it was even less thankful. I mean, it was. Well, it's Cle- it's Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland sucks. By the yeah, way. I, <laughs> what are you looking for? It's Cleveland. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> I didn't know at the time. They, they 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 sold it to me as, hey, it's the Midwest. Was it post or pre LeBron James? Uh, I think it was during. Well, they they won. They won the championships while I was there. Oh, so then they just thought they were the shit. So even worse. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ugh, ugh. Cleveland. I could go off on Cleveland, but it's not really relevant. But it's just at least it's not Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I love Chicago. <laughs> but I think that's the thing with Cleveland, too, is you can visit it. You can have a week and you would have a great time. Really? But if you live there, what I found and it's because it's like I get angry about stuff like a way a city's run. And so it's like you'll find like after a month of being in Cleveland, you're fucking angry for no reason. And you, you can't figure it out. And you're like, oh, it's because these lights don't make sense. These roads don't make sense. There's potholes everywhere. Like, I don't mind paying more taxes, but like I've never gotten so little for my taxes. And when I'm, I'm like, what the fuck is this city doing? And it's just like you're so angry. So it's like you can visit, but if you don't have to live with the consequences of living in Cleveland, it's great. And so, I mean, that's the bit that me and my wife visit Chicago because I, I don't, I'm not like I know a lot and I read a lot about architecture, but I love architecture. It's one of the few things. It's one of the things that fills me back up, and that I can go to a forest. I love nature. I love mountains. But I can get the same thing when you walk around early morning downtown Chicago and no one's out. And you're just looking at these amazing buildings. I get like goosebumps. I'm like, man, this is beautiful. So, but again, I don't have to live with being in Chicago. It's like I get to visit for a day or two, and I'm like, and peace. Yeah, yeah. dodge bullets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shit, it's not much better here either. <laughs> no, it's really. Not. But man, we all make our choices. Yeah. Yeah. We're here, and like I said, you got to look on the positive side. Shift your perspective. Yeah. I'm still having fun. Yeah. Now some more. It's like it's like like a spouse. Like I don't always. I always love my job. I don't always have to like my job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Perfect. Yep. You hear that, wife? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's very true. Yeah. And I think that's. You know that goes back to kind of what I said about stuff being temporary. Yeah. You know, like yes. Sometimes I don't love my job or I don't like my job, but I always love my job and I don't like, and it's not even the job itself that I don't like. It's certain situations or certain things that are going on. It's like, okay, I'm frustrated with that. That sucks. That shouldn't be happening again. Do I have any control over that? Most of the time? No. So that's why I love my job. Like I love EMS and probably why you like ER, like, this is my shit show for 15 minutes. Yeah. Then it's your shit show for like an hour. And then the intensivist can deal with it for the next two weeks. Tag your it. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Tag your it. Can't figure it out. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so, and hitting on, uh, sorry, my brain works very slowly because of my ADHD. I will process something you said a little while ago and then I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, this. Yeah. Okay. Um, you were hitting on, introspection about whether or not this job is for you the other play thing because i had to have this i saw a resident a little while ago and this person was i could tell in a bad place just on shift the way they were doing and i approached them afterwards and said i can tell you're in a bad place 
and they just started crying and just like they were they had a lot of stuff going on. Ooh, I didn't want you to do all that. I just wanted to talk to you. <laughs> never mind, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> Suck all that back in. Yeah. But no, it and so I talked to this person for a while and they were like, I just, I just don't know if emergency medicine is for me. And I, I, the thing with that to, to think about is try to also one, you talking with somebody else is good because this is how I grew up is we'd get up and my mom would be at the coffee table and there's four of us boys and we would talk philosophy. It's basically figure stuff out. It's not about convincing the other person. It's about helping the other person figure themselves out. And so you kind of play devil's advocate. It's like, even if you don't agree, you kind of like, well, what about this point? I mean, I don't agree with it, but what about this point? And I, oh, okay. But uh, talking with someone about that is, is helpful because when you verbalize stuff, it's like you commit your brain enough and you'll figure out even if the person's just sitting there, I've had times where the person's not even, I'm talking to my wife, she doesn't say a thing, but just by me talking to it, I'm figuring stuff out. And I'm like, oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, and I, I was talking to this resident, kind of describing, talk with someone, but also make sure you're not just in a bad place. That's the other thing. You can be in a bad place and you change your job. You're and, still in a bad place. Correct. Yeah. And it's like, you got to get that fixed. What you need to do is kind of put yourself in the right mindset and if, if you're like, this isn't for me, don't do it. Figure out what you want to do. But try to figure out, am I depressed because my job sucks and I hate my job? Or is it, I'm depressed, which makes my job suck. Mm-hmm. And it wouldn't suck if I could figure this depression thing out. Yeah. So. Absolutely. And yeah. I was just having that same thought whenever you were talking <laughs> about it. I was like, yeah, sometimes it's not the job, you know. And we kind of talked about that with, you know, the guys that were here earlier. You know, it's oh, where was I going with that? I do that all the time. Oh, I just I lost it. I had a really good point. Do I need just, to come in and save the day? Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh, well, you're screwed because I don't know what you're talking about either. No. <laughs> oh yeah. So, like you were saying, sometimes it's not the job that sucks. It's just you know something else, and that's the thing that people need to realize again, which goes along with being self-aware of you know, what has happened previously in their personal life? Because mm-hmm. it's two separate things. You can't just say, okay, this portion sucks, so everything sucks. Okay. Mm-hmm. You got to separate it out and figure out where the crossover, where the bleed through is coming. Yeah. You know, that I made that point so long-winded and so terribly. Nobody's going to know what the hell I was talking about. It made about. sense to me. Yeah. Wait, I'm sorry, were you talking? <laughs> Uh, as usual yeah just (laughs) on his phone he's probably tiktoking or porn it seems right (laughs) he didn't say anything a cot cot (laughs) i appreciate it if y'all don't call me out like that thank you (sighs) on that note (laughs) on that note it's been a fun day it it has been a fun day i don't think i've laughed so much in two episodes that's yeah Oh, at least back to back ones. Usually, you know, we'll have one where we'll have somebody and it's kind of fun and we're all laughing and stuff. And then the very next person that comes in and we're talking to, it's just like soul crushing. Everything is terrible. Great info. It's just like, yeah, it's great info. <laughs> and it's like, yes, you, you went through horrible, horrible things and you bounce back from it. Where's but goddamn. Yeah. But yeah. Just, oh, it's so bad. And sorry for everyone watching this wearing a mask i'm just very self-conscious about being a, a vector for covid 
And if I got these guys sick, I would feel freaking terrible. I'm vaccinated and all that, but I just, I see so many cases every, every shift that I'm just like, I, I, again, I worry again, my biggest worry is I I get my wife sick and it's also, will I get anyone else sick? So I'm like super self-conscious of wearing a mask. uh, If I get COVID in like four months, I'm going to still be like, I got it from Tyler during the podcast. (laughs) I know I did. (laughs) It wasn't that time we made out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh shit. Well, brother, thank you so much. No, thanks for, for coming out. This has been yeah, this has been awesome. And thanks for doing. I mean, this is an important topic. So thank you for undertaking that task, you guys. That's yeah. huge. Again, mm. no one talks about it, and the fact that it's getting talked about is awesome. So well, thank you. You know, we whenever we started this, that was the whole goal is to just kind of raise awareness. And if you know somebody sees something on here that maybe spark something or keeps them from going down a path that I went down or he went down or wherever, then that's a win for us. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're just trying to raise awareness. Roger that. Good work. Keep it up. So with that, you want to end this episode? Go ahead. Nope. I never pay attention to what you say. So don't ask me to remember it now. Okay. I love it. I get A plus effort from you every episode. It's so awesome. Uh, if you are having a problem, there are resources out there. Reach out. Don't be afraid to reach out. It is not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. And if you know somebody that is having a problem going through something, reach out, talk to them, start the conversation, let them know there are resources out there. Yeah, so thanks for stopping by. Thanks for having me.